what is the economic future of Indonesia? In this video, I am going to break it down. Uh, welcome to Analyzing Finance with Nick. Today, we're going to be talking about Indonesia and how its future compares to the rest of Southeast Asia. We've previously done videos on Thailand, Malaysia, and Singapore in the region. And Indonesia um, has a big difference between these other countries. That's mainly its size and its scope. The Indonesian archipelago west to east from Sumatra in the west to the Moluccas in, the, in, in West Papua in the east is lengthwise is almost the same length as the continental U.S. And with over 200 million people, its closed population is over two-thirds of that of the United States as I'm recording this. So the size and the scale is just simply much bigger. And even though most of the population, about over 100 million, reside in Java and Javanese and Bahasa Indonesia, which is a derivative of Malay, is the dominant language, it's still a very um, culturally, religiously, and ethnically diverse island that historically was not politically unified prior to Dutch colonization and then the Indonesian government getting independence in the late 1940s. Uh, and so it's kind of held together by um, a fragile nationalism, even though it's very um, different in terms of the islands themselves. And this is also why you have uh, that along with just the crowdedness of Jakarta, which is possibly some of the worst traffic and infrastructure clogging of any major city in the world. They're moving the political capital to Borneo because if those government jobs and related industries are relocated to a less populated, um, densely populated area, it might clear up some of the, um, the issues with Jakarta. But overall, Indonesia's economy has a lot of strengths, but a lot of challenges too. Uh, its main strength really is abundant natural resources, particularly industrial metals. Some of the world's biggest gold and copper mines are in Indonesia and iron ore. Uh, they are rich in oil. Historically, they were in OPEC, one of the big oil exporting countries. But as domestic consumption has grown, uh, even with the su oil subsidies being cut in recent years, and the domestic demand is enough that Indonesia is actually a slight net importer of oil, even though um, when the Dutch first discovered oil in the region and it became the main exporting uh, market for, um, for oil for what is now a Royal Dutch shell. And so, but the, again, as time as Indonesia has developed, they, um, they need their own oil. Uh, they have a young and growing population. The average age is under 30 in Indonesia. Uh, and it's strategically in a very um, good place for global trade. And it's geopolitics as these islands that block the potential Chinese Navy from getting out of the Pacific uh, the South China Sea and the Pacific Ocean via the, the South and being near Australia, which is... Um, also a critical U.S. ally, uh, the U.S. military is willing to help Indonesia with its defenses and work together 
to contain China and also to protect Australia. And they have a growing emerging market middle class uh, through the development of manufacturing. The main really concerns with the Indonesian economy um, is, I've mentioned before, the lack of infrastructure, especially in greater Jakarta, uh, just the amount of congestion and the amount of just slowdown in the movement of people and goods has made things more difficult in the economy. Um, they have... Uh, an education skills gap. Uh, they have a large young population, but they do not have the education skills to really capitalize and move faster up the wage curve. And then also you have um, a lot of exposure to commodity prices. Since Indonesia is a major commodity export, commodity prices really dictate um, the fate of Indonesia. But really the, the other problem really with Indonesia that is not really talked about by the mainstream consensus. It's something we talked about in our iceberg series, and that's the idea of the emerging market ladder pole. The main fundamental problem is that there, the old model for emerging market countries to advance was to start with taking on light manufacturing that they can do for cheaper due to cheaper labor, and then move up to once their skill sets have developed to more heavier manufacturing and then low end service work. And then as the population gets more educated, more advanced engineering required manufacturing and higher skilled uh, service work, which requires the equivalent of a college degree from a Western country. Uh, so that's usually the ladder that has been the path to development in East Asia. And the countries that have been earlier on that ladder, such as Japan, South Korea, have been far more successful than those who are later on that ladder. And with Indonesia, the problem is, is that they may not get high enough on the ladder before automation, AI, and robotics take out the rungs that they need to climb up. And that young population is previously an asset because they can buy a house and a motorcycle and um, red meat every day for the first time really in the history of their country. Now it could be a liability because these people are accustomed to growing living standards. And then that doesn't happen because the larger developed nations who wanted to move manufacturing and low end service work to their country no longer need to anymore due to technological advancements. And then on top of that, you have the issue of, uh, of the ladder pole on top of that is that a lot of the countries around them are suffering the same issues, such as Thailand and China and uh, Vietnam. And if that reduces demand for their commodities, and because, and also it reduces demand for their end product that they do manufacture and just it will just slow down inter-regional trade within ASEAN. And then energy as a result growing as a bigger portion of manufacturing costs versus labor means that countries that have low energy costs but higher labor costs such as the United States and Canada in Mexico now are way more competitive than they used to be because labor as a percentage of the price of a manufactured good 
is far lower today than it was 20 years ago, whereas energy as a percentage of the cost of the manufactured good is far higher today. And so all of this could spell a real socio-political risk that doesn't really just apply to Indonesia, it applies to all countries at similar levels of economic development, uh, particularly those who are far away from the consumer markets of the US and the EU geographically. The other real risk for Indonesia is domestic politics. Um, Jokowi has done a pretty good job there, their current president, but he has kind of been an indicator for a sign of rising populism and Islamism. And if Indonesia adopts a more radical version of Islamist populism, it could really affect foreign sentiment towards investing in the country and also could affect the economy just due to um, those types of countries' histories with views on things such as lending for interest. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of, Islamic banking has plenty of ways to participate in modern capitalism without um, violating their religious beliefs. I mean, it's been successful in the Middle East if there are ways to do that and in more prosperous Islamic communities around the world. So in theory, it would not be necessarily the end of the world in terms of actual output, but in terms of perception, it's a perception problem. Uh, and then the bottom line really though, is that these are all problems though, that are five plus years out. Uh, in the shorter term, especially between now and the next uh, election in Indonesia, and that's going to take place in 2025, uh, you could see things will be fine between now and then. In fact, the, like, if you look at the performance of the Indonesian economy, it's had some of the lowest inflation among emerging market countries post-pandemic, and it has had very high growth still. And on top of that, Mickey, they, the Indonesian rupiah has been one of the better performing currencies in Asia. Um, it has lost the least against the U.S. dollar of the major Southeast Asian currencies uh, since the pandemic. So, and a lot of those things that are driving their relative outperformance now are going to remain for the next couple of years. Uh, the challenge really is, again, once Chikawi steps down, uh, and due to term limits and the automation and AI effects of the possible ladder pull start to kick in towards the end of this decade. Um, and also with China weakening, they're going to have less demand for the end market of their commodity exports. What is Indonesia going to do? How are they going to adapt? That's the main risk is that in the long run, they have a lot of ticking time bombs that could go off. But the thing is, is that this isn't really a slight specifically in Indonesia um, because countries in neighboring countries in the, in that region, such as Thailand, Vietnam, India, uh, all have the same risk of uh, Philippines too, of the, of the latter pole. So I'm just using Indonesia as an example, because we had a subscriber ask me about this country in particular and also, um, it has probably among the ASEAN countries, the best shorter term future. 
I'm not going to do a comparison to a U.S. state simply because of the size and the population of Indonesia is far bigger than really any U.S. state. So it's not really comparable. Uh, the picture in the background, by the way, is of Jimboran Beach. Uh, it is where actually I learned how to surf when I when I went to Indonesia, Bali specifically, over 10 years ago, back in 2012. And that's really my memories of it. It's it unlike beaches, say in California, um, or just the Western Pacific and North America, the waves do not break as hard. They break a lot smoother and the water is a lot warmer. So it's a lot more friendly of a place to learn how to surf or even if you know how to surf. It's, it's a much different and more enjoyable experience. The, 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 the water and the beaches tend to be a little bit more rocky, like this, the, um, the seafloor. So you've got to bring booties and um but otherwise it's a great place like there's a reason why even i grew up on the west coast of the united states i learned how to surf heat in bali instead uh, so that's my little personal travel story attached to this too but yeah the whole bottom line is um things look great right now for indonesia longer term they face the same risks as other Asian emerging market countries, mainly dealing with the automation ladder pull and political volatility due to a local populism arising. And actually, ironically, the ladder pull will trigger populism. It's the same thing that happened trigger populism in the West was offshoring of manufacturing overseas and these people being displaced within their own society. You could kind of see the reverse with the manufacturing output, not necessarily the jobs due to technology, but the output moving back from Asia to the developed countries. And as a result, they're going to have their populist reaction due to displaced populations and previously rapidly industrializing cities in the country. Uh, that wraps up my thoughts on Indonesia. Thanks for watching.